All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today is a crossover Wednesday where I will be joined by Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked on Jaguars podcast, and we're going to be previewing this upcoming Week 12 matchup between the Atlanta Falcons, Jacksonville Jaguars. You are Locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, guys, to a crossover Thursday. Of course, I'm your host, Aaron Freeman of the Locked On Falcons podcast, joined by Tony Wiggins, the host of the Locked On Jaguars podcast. We're going to be previewing this upcoming Thanksgiving weekend matchup between the Atlanta Falcons and Jacksonville Jaguars in week 12. Tony, my man, how you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, glad to be here with you. Obviously, you know, we talk a little bit offline, off the grid, but uh, it's always fun to do these crossovers. Not too much fun for the fans of either team right now. Uh, but as I jokingly said, if this were a college bowl game, this would be the bowl to determine who's not as bad as the other team. So uh, two new coaches, two first-year coaches, different situations with the quarterbacks, and we'll get into all of that stuff, but – uh, I, I don't know about you. I, it, it's uh, We were just talking. It's a, sort of an apathetic theme and feeling right now about uh, these two clubs. Uh, it, it's around that time where, you know, it, it, two losses ago, we're two losses away from these guys still being optimistic. But now it's always – it's draft time, man. They're looking forward to free agency and the draft. I don't know how, how you guys are doing it, but that's the way we're doing it down here. Yeah, it's, it's weird because, like, a couple of weeks ago, Jacksonville looked like they had turned the corner beating Buffalo – uh, the Falcons were sort of on a hot streak a little bit. And then these last two games where they basically, the offense has been a complete no-show and their defense has, uh, you know, struggled at times, giving up 43 points to the Cowboys. So, you know, two weeks ago, if we had done this crossover, I think both of us would have been a lot more optimistic that these two teams were turning their season around. And then the last couple of games just seemed to, like, stymie any progress. And we'll see if any one of these two teams can really get it back this weekend by putting a good showing out there on the field. Uh, as you, as you mentioned, one of these teams, you know, we, we've already seen a tie this year, so hopefully we won't get that, but, uh, you know, one of these teams kind of has to show up at least, you know, at some point in this game, if they're going to try to win this game. So I'm, I'm very interested to see which of these two teams does decide to sort of, uh, pull it together, uh, and, and not basically get their fans into, as you say, apathetic mode and, and waiting for draft season. And uh, there's some similarities now. Uh, Arthur Blank and Shaq Khan are both extra, extra, extra um, successful away from football. And, I mean, if you took their football teams away from them, they'd still have other stuff that they're probably more known for. The, the irony in this is they're sort of, even though they're in the same situation, they're in two different situations. And what I mean by that is, We've hitched our wagons to a coach that didn't have much, uh, didn't have any NFL experience, and we have a rookie quarterback. You guys, on the other hand, are in a situation I, I, that I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I'd rather be in your situation than ours because you have an older quarterback, and they had a chance to to get their future. And I ain't gonna get you started on the draft because I, I remember, I remember all of the things that you said. They had a chance to to get a guy for the future, and now you're looking at a draft this year where they don't really have the type of quarterbacks in this draft. So 
if Matt doesn't find this this uh, this youth and the things around him doesn't improve, you guys are gonna be waiting a long time to replace that QB. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I don't think I would take the Falcon situation over the Jaguar situation because despite all the sort of turmoil surrounding Urban Meyer and, and whether or not he's the guy that you want guiding the ship, you have that hope, you have that optimism with Trevor Lawrence at the beginning of his career that you can sit here and say, okay, I don't know if he's going to get it figured out this year. I don't know if he's going to get it figured out next year or whatever the case may be. But, you know, we have potentially a decade of one of the more talented quarterbacks that we've seen uh, come into the league over the last, you know, decade or two. Uh, and, you know, that gives you some hope, some optimism for the future. And the Falcons, you don't necessarily have that long-term optimism. You have hopefully short-term optimism, but you're not getting a whole lot from this current team that makes you feel like they're on the cusp of figuring it out. And they're sort of in this sort of damned if they do, damned if they don't scenario where it's like, are they rebuilding, but they're not really committed to the, they're just kind of stuck in purgatory at this point in time. And until they start winning games, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later, and hopefully starting this weekend, uh, it's just not a good place to to be in. Sure is not a good place. I tell you what a good place to be is though, listening and having your first listen be a crossover between the Falcons and the Jaguars. As we head into Sunday's game here in TIA bank field, in Jacksonville, I, I think it's going to be fun for – it's always fun when you get two teams that don't seem like they know how to get out of their own way. I, I usually look at it like a bar fight when you have two guys that are a little inebriated and they're not that skilled in the first place. It's going to be fun. You know what I'm saying? Something's going to happen that ain't supposed to happen or uh, you're going to get the whole gamut. So I'm sure that's what we'll have Sunday. We're going to talk a little bit more about it on the crossover, Locked on Falcons, Locked on Jaguars. And we'll do it in just a second here on a Wednesday, not Thursday, but on a Wednesday because of the Thanksgiving holiday. We'll do it in just a second here as we continue. So continuing today's episode, guys, I want to tell you, uh, given that it is crossover Wednesday as opposed to Thursday, that's because Thanksgiving is here. And of course, that means we got football on Thursday as you guys are, you know, packing on the pounds. I know that's what I do on Thanksgiving, but you know what makes Thanksgiving even more interesting? That's betting with bet online, the number one spot for all sports action this Thanksgiving. And you can head over to the new updated website, sign up today and use the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus. That means that if you deposit 500 bucks, you get $250 in free money to play with. And especially great for Thanksgiving is the $10,000 uh, Thanksgiving parlay contest at bet online. It's free to enter. And all you basically have to do is pick the correct winners on the spread for all three Thanksgiving day games, as well as the over under totals. And you will have a chance to win $10,000. And it's not just about winning that $10,000 for football. Your better line also has you covered with the pro in college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, all the way to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available at better line. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports better line. They're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. So we are continuing today's crossover Wednesday episode here with myself, Aaron Freeman of Locked on Falcons and Tony Wiggins of Locked on Jaguars. And we're going to get into sort of what's going on with this Jaguars team. And we talked about them, 
just now in terms of the long-term future with Trevor Lawrence. I, I guess I got to ask you, what is your thoughts on Trevor Lawrence's progress so far this year? The Falcons just plays another rookie in Mac Jones a week ago uh, who had, you know, looks like the, the best rookie so far of this season. But, you know, a lot of people look at that and say, well, he we went to Bill Belichick. He went to the right situation in New England. And people look at Trevor Lawrence and say he hasn't necessarily had the big impact so far this season. But how much of that is the talent around him? So I'm curious from your eyes, what have you seen from Trevor Lawrence that is positive? What maybe are some things that has, hasn't necessarily lived up to your expectations this year? So you can look at a guy play and sometimes you can have that, that eye – where you can distinguish whether um, he's playing with his talent and his coaching, he's playing below his talent and his coaching, or he's playing above his talent and his coaching. And I think it's the latter. I, I really do believe that even though his play has been wildly inconsistent, it, it's been inconsistent not because he doesn't try and not because he's afraid. And those are the, a couple of the things – where when you see a rookie, you start worrying about him, especially when he's not having success. You wonder if he's not having the success because of a physical thing. Uh, is it a mental thing? Is it uh, a psychological deal? I think it's because uh, there are things that he naturally learned, had to learn how to do uh, as a rookie quarterback to be successful, but this environment right now isn't conducive to him possibly learning that the way he's supposed to. And that's because the coaching staff sometimes looks like they don't know what they're doing. Or they're on, or they're not on the right page, and then it's because guys drop balls too. And and uh, you know when you're not good, you jump off sides, or when you're not good, you false start because you're trying so hard to go above and beyond what should come naturally, that you end up making mistakes and putting the team in a bad situation. So um, I, I liken it to this. I said this earlier this week on my podcast. Urban and staff sometimes on the sideline start looking at each other and they look bewildered, and it's like if you go to a convenience store and there's a 16 year old kid in there working behind the counter and it's his first job. Everything's fine. As long as it's a dollar 50, dollar 60, dollar 70. But when he rings something up and it comes out $3 and two cents and you don't want a bunch of pennies in your pocket and you, and you, well, say he rings it up and it's two ninety seven, and you go, okay, here's three Oh two. And all hell breaks loose because that kid doesn't know how to do math. And he starts looking around like, well, what do I do? I'm used to giving out nickels and dimes or just giving change. No, son, I don't want three pennies. I just want a nickel. And he goes to his supervisor, and the supervisor has to explain it. That's exactly what the sideline looks like in Jacksonville. It's like everybody's trying to figure out. Case in point, at one point this year, they had 12 men on the field coming out of a change of possession. They got a penalty. They immediately had to call a timeout because they were about to get another penalty for 12 men on the field, the same, then the very next play. The other day, they uh, ran out the punt team to punt. It wasn't no punter on the field. Aaron, I'm not making this stuff up. This is what you're getting. You know, it's like, this is high school stuff. How you going to punt without a punter? Where's he at? What is he doing? He ain't got nothing else to do all day. But you, you sit there and you wonder, it's like, what do you guys do all week? This is the type of stuff that this is the environment that he's in. And that ain't going to help that kid one bit. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this coaching staff. Cause I, I certainly went when they hired him, I'm like, Oh, this is the stability that they need. Um, you know, in this organization that they've been chasing these last couple of years that they haven't really been getting. Uh, and it doesn't seem anything but stable right now. And so we'll, we'll see if they can start to get these things figured out. 
in the back half of this season or, or possibly next season, but it, it does not look like a great environment for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think and, they, I think they're going to they're not to interrupt you. I think they're going to change. I, I, I think everybody on their offensive staff is in trouble after one season. Okay. I, I really do. And then, of course, with all the speculation with Dan Mullen, I don't think any college is going to hire him right now with all of these dopey Dan comments. And I don't think Dan Mullen wants to stay. And I honestly believe Dan Mullen is going to end up here with Urban Meyer next year. It should be interesting to see. Uh, mm-hmm. Certainly not stable, right? <laughs> Um, you know, you talk about, or at least I talk about some stability. It does seem like the strength of this Jaguars offense has been their running game, but unfortunately for them, they constantly seem to be playing by from behind each and every week. Um, you know, I looked up the stats and I, I saw Jacksonville has only 71 snaps this year where they've played with a lead, uh, which is the third lowest, um, after I think Detroit and, and the Jets, uh, this year. Um, and, you know, I'm asking for a friend who happens to play for a Georgia-based professional football team uh, <laughs> that happens to be also pretty unreliable when it comes to stopping the run. But I guess I'm curious if the Falcons can go into this game um, who and stop James Robinson, does Jacksonville really have anything else to throw at them uh, offensively that can give this uh, defense problems through the air or something? Yeah, but they're going to be helped a little bit because Robinson's been nicked up the last couple of weeks, even though he played last week. He didn't, he's not the fastest guy, but he still didn't have his regular burst. The one thing you have to watch for uh, if you're a Falcon fan is uh, Trevor. When things break down, he can run. And he'll run to extend plays to throw. And he has that throw in him. And what I mean by that throw is that one that lets you know every now and then that you see why he was the number one pick. So you got to be really, really careful that you don't let things sneak behind him. You'll also be helped by the fact that uh, Agnew, Jamal Agnew, who, who had been a little bit of a spark plug on special teams as well as from scrimmage, he's out for the rest of the season. He had a leg injury the other day, and so he'll be gone for the rest of the year. So they, they were lacking playmakers free, but they, they really, really are uh, lacking playmakers now. So that kind of bodes well for Atlanta. I want to find out what's going on with Calvin Ridley. I also want to find out from you uh, in our third segment is is Arthur is Arthur what's his face uh, is he is he is he I call him Arthur what's his face because <laughs> but but I'm just saying I'm saying because sometimes I want to call him Arthur Jones sometimes I want to call him Arthur Brown but well the way Arthur, he's been coaching these last couple yeah. of weeks you might as well call him Arthur what's yeah, his face it's, it's, it's Arthur Jones. Smith okay. Yeah. And that's the most, that seems like the most common name in the world. Arthur Smith, I want to find out if people around your parts think he's the guy. And then I want to find out, is there any buyer's remorse from taking a tight end at number four in the fan base? I want to discuss all of those things here on a Wednesday, not a Thursday. I keep having to say that. Crossover edition here with my man from Locked On Falcons. And we'll do it in just a second. I got to tell you guys first about Built Bar. If you don't know about Built Bar, I'm going to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is covered with 100% real chocolate, and when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. The only thing is, it's not a candy bar. It's a protein bar. It's not all chalky and waxy. It it has delicious flavors. They have nine different flavors, and it tastes like a candy bar. Why is that significant? Because if you're like me and you're always watching your weight, you can't go ballistic on Thanksgiving. You can't sit here on Thanksgiving, eat all of the things that you want to eat, that are regular food, and then turn around and eat desserts too. But then if you eat the desserts, that's your cheating. So what do you eat other than a plate full of turkey and green beans? I'll tell you what you do. Eat what you want before dessert. Eat the macaroni and cheese. 
eat all of the other things with carbs, eat all of the other things with fat. So now when you get to the dessert, you don't have to tempt yourself with cake and pie. You go get yourself a built bar because they taste that good. And the macros are outstanding. Now, personally, my favorite one is salted caramel, but they have double chocolate, cherry barcia, coconut almond, mint brownie, raspberry. So many things that will satisfy your palate, you won't even think you're missing dessert. And where you go is you go to Built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off of your order. Now, once again, the promo code is LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Check them out at bar underscore Built on Twitter for all of the latest information for any quote-unquote surprise Built Bars that they may come out with a new flavor. Check them out. It's a Built Bar at Built.com. The promo code is LOCKED. 15. And I'm going to bring us back here on a Wednesday crossover edition. I have to keep reminding myself to say that with my man, Aaron Freeman from at, uh, he's at Falcons is his Twitter handle, but it's locked on Falcons. And I'm Tony Wiggins with locked on Jaguars. We also thank you for making us your first listen every day. Uh, If it's a crossover day, it's probably your second listen because you're listening to our shows uh, before you start this. But yeah, man, let's get to uh, find out about, Arthur Smith. There was all the nepotism talk and all of that stuff about when he got hired, even though I think his resume spoke for itself in terms of uh, being in a good organization and coming uh, to that organization. Um, how's he done? How's he done? Do people still believe or did people ever believe? And, and what are people thinking about the way that he runs his team on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. I mean, to me, it's all about expectations, right? People came into it, given his success in Tennessee, they thought, okay, he's going to come in. He's going to be one of these offensive gurus. Like we've seen in recent years, guys that went to different teams, uh, his predecessor in Tennessee as a play caller was Matt LaFleur, went to Green Bay, had a lot of success immediately with a veteran quarterback. You saw uh, Kevin Stefanski come from a similar system in Minnesota, go to Cleveland, and, and lead that team to the postseason what, in the first time in like 20 years or, or whatever it was. Um, obviously, there's the Sean McVay's and the Andy Reid's and all that various stuff uh, of sort of these offensive-minded head coaches that sort of immediately come in and produce on offense. And that was kind of the expectation that Arthur Smith with Matt Ryan, you know, Obviously, they weren't going to have Julio Jones, but the expectations were with Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts now added to the mix that this would be a highly potent offense. You didn't see that coming out of the gates, and that caused people, including myself, to to question things a little bit. Like, you know, what's going on with this play calling? What's going on with Arthur Smith? Well, you know, or you know, this team is underachieving. Then they kind of figured it out, started getting more offensive production and Matt Ryan was starting to look like the quarterback that I think a lot of people thought he had with a lot of gas left in the tank. And and the reason why the team wound up passing on taking that quarterback at the number four pick. And then the last couple of weeks, you just aren't seeing it again. And you're wondering, okay, part of that is owed to the fact that they're playing tougher defenses, uh, part of that is owed to the fact that they don't have Calvin Ridley at this point in the season. Part of that is owed to, you know, they missed uh, Cordero Patterson last week, and I, I guess his status for this weekend is also going to be up in the air. So there are reasons for the offensive downturn, but it, the, the team shouldn't have fallen off of the cliff. And I think that's where I think a lot of people are questioning things, where it's like, okay, you're probably not going to beat Dallas. You're not going to beat New England. But, you know, Dallas's defense – was a relatively good matchup for you. So you should have been able to put some points on the board and you put three points up there. All right. New England's defense is, is good, but like you can't get one 
touchdown drive, <laughs> you know, like that's just that's just terrible. Like you know, you can't score one drive um, in that game and, and lose twenty five to seven as opposed to twenty five to nothing. Like it, it's those types of things that I think lead a lot of people to question whether or not Arthur Smith is that guy that can really get the most out of this offense moving forward. But you know, a lot of it's going to be. You know, a lot of people are, are putting it on the, the Falcons' lack of talent. I guess my question for you, Tony, is like you cover the Jaguars. That's been a big question mark for them these last couple of years. Do you look at a team like the Falcons and, and think um, that this is a team that lacks talent? i tell you what. I don't when it comes to big-name and high-end guys. It would help if Calvin Ridley was there because I think Calvin Ridley's presence really makes uh, Pitts, Kyle Pitts' presence, uh, be felt differently. And I think it also helps Cordell Patterson's uh, impact be felt differently because now you have a veteran quarterback who's been an MVP with a proven pro, a really good utility guy, and now this young guy who's shown in a couple of games this year that he, he can be special. Um, I think also on the offensive line that there's some pieces. There's a couple of pieces with Matthews and, and guys like that. Defensively, Grady Jarrett is top five at his position. You know, Deion Jones is a tackling machine. I know he, put, you know, he doesn't, he, he angers some people sometimes, but yeah, so I don't think they're totally devoid of talent. I, I do think that they, they're very similar to Jacksonville in, 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 the, in the point that you can cherry pick guys. You can cherry pick guys and you can go, man, he's good, he's good, he's good. The problem is, is throughout the roster, it goes from really high to down here. You can't keep naming guys. I know the average person that's not a Jaguar fan. We'll get to about number 10, and then they start. They can't start naming people anymore. And that's because guys aren't making enough impact to really make themselves stand out. Uh, Calvin Ridley, what, what, what's the deal with him? And and uh, I know it's a mental health issue. There's been a lot of hush-hush, and, and rightfully so. People shouldn't, people shouldn't force their way into trying to understand everything because you ain't going to be able to help them figure it out. But any word about him and, and how he's doing and – and, and if he'll come back this year or he's just going to take the rest of the year off. Yeah, I mean, that was something I talked about on yesterday's episode where basically Arthur Smith on Monday said uh, that he doesn't have an update on, on Calvin Ridley on, on what the timetable is for him to return. He is now technically eligible to return from the non-football injury list that the Falcons put him on three weeks ago. He had to spend three weeks on that list uh, before he could return, just like you know the injured reserve or whatever the case may be. So we're just kind of in wait-and-see mode to see if and when he comes back this year. Hopefully he does. Hopefully, obviously, um, you know, that benefits the Falcons on the football field. But obviously, if, if he does come back, that means that he's in a better headspace moving forward. And, and that's great for him as well as great for the football team. So it's kind of a win-win for him. But uh, we'll just sort of have to wait and see uh, at, at what point with Calvin Ridley. But, you know, I'm just going to assume he's out un- until we, we get some uh, news on that front. And, uh, you know, it could it could happen later this week. It could happen next month. Who knows at this point? Urban Meyer, because he's inexperienced at the NFL level, a couple of weeks ago was talking to the media about the fact that he recruited the top three wide receivers in the draft next year. Now you and I both know that coaches, NFL coaches usually tell us that they don't even watch college football and they don't, they don't until, until their season ends, they ain't talking about the draft until their season's over. And then they go in and they meet with the GM and they take a look around and see what they can get. But, um, so he's weird that way. And, and so after the draft, he's, he told, uh, he told all, all of us in the media, he said, they got Trevor, and then they had another pick in, in late – I think it was the 18th pick. And they said, um, how can we get Kyle Pitts? 
He said that Trip Balky told him, don't even think about it because it was going to require probably that that first rounder, the second rounder, and maybe two first rounders in the future. And I said I wouldn't go up that high for a tight end. Not that he's not great, but, okay, Travis Kelsey's the best in the league. Would I take Travis Kelsey and give up two first-round picks if you told me I could just have Mark Andrews? No, I'd just take Mark Andrews because I don't think the difference in the output is going to be that significant. Is there any buyer's remorse with all of those quarterbacks on the board with them taking Kyle Pitts that high, even though he's had flashes this year? Yeah, I think there is. Um, You know, I I think, well, let's say this. I think if you went into the draft thinking that they should take a quarterback, you're sitting here still thinking that they should have taken a quarterback. If you went into the draft thinking that, you know, Kyle Pitts was the best player available and Matt Ryan has plenty of years left, you probably still sit here and think the same thing. So I, I don't think anybody's sort of switched sides on that issue, but certainly it, it, it was and remains a polarizing draft decision. That's why it was so debated heading into the draft. It's going to continue to be debated as we um, get through these next couple of years. Uh, and the only thing that quiets the debate is the Falcons winning games. And that's the only way that they can justify the choice that they made. If they don't win games, then you're going to sit here and wonder what if, and whether that what if is Justin Fields, whether that what if is Mac Jones, you're always going to wonder that uh, if the Falcons aren't winning games, like their strategy seemingly um, from what we can gather here in Atlanta is to basically borrow the chiefs model uh, where they hired Andy Reed. He brought in Alex Smith. They sort of built up the roster. They were a run heavy defensive driven team for the next couple of years. And that had a ceiling with Alex Smith at the quarterback. And then they made the big, bold move to trade up to get Patrick Mahomes um, and, you know, brought him to a built up roster. And we saw him immediately take off with MVPs and Super Bowls and all these various things. And the rest is history. Obviously, that's a pretty narrow bullseye to hit because, you know, it kind of depends on getting a generational quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, that's kind of the Falcon strategy. It's like, we're going to have Matt Ryan. He's going to be kind of our bridge quarterback for the next couple of years. We're going to build up this roster. And then at some point down the road, we're going to find our young phenom quarterback to take over for Matt Ryan, plug and play and insert him onto a good roster. But that strategy, while on in theory makes sense, only really works for the Chiefs because they were winning with Alex Smith. They they had a winning record every year. They went to the playoffs three out of the four years uh, that he was the starting quarterback. And, you know, the Falcons are still technically in the NFC race, but they got to start winning games. Um, and, you know, next year there's going to be pressure on them to make the playoffs again. And, and so it, it's a situation that – is as I said earlier, they're, they're just kind of until they start winning games, they're kind of in this purgatory of like good enough to f- trick you into thinking that this team is on the cusp, but not good enough, or I guess not bad enough where you, you can just kind of completely clean house and just tear it all down and, and rebuild from scratch sort of situation. So um, we'll just sort of have to see if the Falcons can start winning games and that will sort of quiet any of the, the doubts that I think are lingering uh, amongst fans and, and media types about that selection. All right. And with that uh, Sunday at one o'clock, I know you all will still be recovering from Turkey itis and hopefully you'll be woke at one o'clock this, uh, Sunday afternoon to see what happens in Jacksonville. I remind you about the Peacock and Williamson podcast. It's a great podcast. It is really the flagship podcast of the Locked On NFL Network with Brian Peacock, an NFL analyst, and Matt Williamson, a former NFL scout. They put it together, man. And uh, you want to learn something? 
You want to be entertained? That's the podcast for you. So make sure you find it, subscribe, like it, and follow it and tell everybody about that. All right, Freeman, happy Thanksgiving to you and everyone. Hope everyone is safe on your end. And uh, we'll be right back at you uh, Friday with our regularly scheduled podcast on both Locked on Jaguars and Locked on Falcons. Until then, man, y'all take care of each other, and we'll see you next time. Tony, it's always a pleasure. So, guys, we're wrapping up today's Locked on Falcons crossover Wednesday special episode before the holidays. Talking about the roster move the Falcons made uh, Tuesday evening, signing punter Thomas Morstead, originally reported by D-Led that the Falcons were interested in him. And the Falcons had two roster spots available uh, this week with the addition of Dom Maggio to the practice squad on Tuesday rather than to the roster as a potential replacement for Dustin Colquitt, who is potentially out this weekend due to being placed on the COVID reserve list uh, on Monday. So Morstead presumably will be punting for the Falcons this weekend and potentially for longer, uh, particularly because Morstead probably is a better punter at this point in time uh, in his career. If you guys are, you know, like, where do I have I heard that? named Thomas Morstead before uh, you heard it because he was a longtime punter. I think 12 seasons uh, with the new Orleans saints uh, as their longtime punter, basically their version of Matt Bosher that he came into the league a little bit earlier than Bosher did. And for many years was not only their punter, but also their kickoff specialist sort of those duties went away several years ago. Um, and, you know, as he got older, I remember earlier this season, uh, the, the Jets signed Morstead after their punter got hurt after in the week one game, and they signed him in week two. And I was like, wait, Thomas Morstead's not retired because it seemed like the Saints had always been bringing him back. And the fact that they didn't this past offseason was an indication that he was done playing football uh, and didn't realize that that was a potential option for the Falcons until the Jets signed him. And I'm sitting there going like, really? We're going with Cam Nizelec and we could have had Thomas Morstead uh, instead. And, and obviously the Falcons punting, the situation has been very problematic throughout the season. As I mentioned earlier this week, Dustin Colquitt, however, was, you know, seemingly getting that back on track before it things getting derailed by COVID reserve. And Morstead was just recently cut by the Jets, not because he wasn't producing. He was one of the higher graded punters in the league, according to Pro Football Focus, while the Falcons punters have been consistently among the worst graded uh, so far this season. And you guys are very much aware of why that is. So it, it does seem like the Falcons have potentially solve their punting situations. Again, we'll sort of have to see if this is a short-term thing, uh, if this is basically a, a tryout. If, if Thomas Morstead goes out there and kicks really well in Jacksonville this weekend, you know, are the, is the Falcon going to bring – you know, Dustin Colquitt back if he's going to be eligible uh, next week uh, to return to the roster, you know, that's sort of going to be sort of up in the air. So we'll sort of have to see how it plays out, but it does seem like the Falcons are finally uh, stopping twiddling their thumbs over the last month or so and signing some of the players that, you know, going back to week two and week three, you heard me talking about, and Thomas Borstead was on that list, uh, and it felt like a missed opportunity for the Falcons to solve their punting situation with a veteran punter uh, earlier this season, and now they added him, and of course the other player I'm of course referring to is Marvin Hall, who is going to single-handedly save this Falcons offense once the Falcons uh, really start getting him playing with uh, the starting offense, uh, you know, potentially this weekend and, and in future weeks, so that's my hope uh, for both of these guys to basically salvage the season, and of course 
because, you know, that will make me feel much better. But uh, that's where we'll leave it here on the Thomas Moore said uh, conversation. The Falcons still have another roster spot available. I'm assuming that's going to go to Josh Andrews, uh, who at some point later this week should get elevated off of the COVID reserve list. If if all things go according to plan, he gets those two positive or I'm sorry, two negative tests later this week and officially comes off of it, but they have a, a roster spot available. So we'll, we'll get at least one more move later this week, uh, whether that's, you know, Josh Andrews or a practice squad elevation or whatever the case may be. So uh, Falcons have uh, a move to make later this week. We'll see what that is. Of course, later this week, we'll be coming back at you here on Lockdown Falcons on Friday with a Q&A episode. So if you have any questions that you want to have answered on Black Friday as you're, you know, chomping on Thanksgiving leftovers, of course, you can send those in via Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, via Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or uh, send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. And of course, you can always leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube page where, again, Lockdown Falcons is free and available on YouTube, Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify, a variety of podcast platforms. So go check us out. Make sure you give us a like on your preferred podcast platform. And so that that will do it for us here. I uh, hope you guys have a, a great holiday, a safe weekend, uh, safe travels, all these various things. If, if you need to uh, relieve the stress uh, of the Falcons and, and, you know, replace that with stress of hanging out with your loved ones and, you know, do what you got to do. Uh, but I, I hope you have as stress-free a week and weekend as humanly possible. But I know for many of you out there, once you get around family and, and you mix in the Falcons with that, it, it's, it's going to be nothing but stress. But if you're looking for ways uh, to, you know, exercise exercise yourself from your family on on tomorrow or whenever uh over the week you know, go check out the article i wrote over at the falcoholic you know i do put up content there most weeks uh the sb nation website for the atlanta falcons and i i wrote an article about four relatively minor adjustments that the falcons can make to help improve their offense uh looking at the running game and the passing game and some of those things we've talked about previously on the podcast like not running to the left side as much as the Falcons seemingly love to do. Um, but uh, those are some of the topics that you can check out in that episode. So if you just want to sort of look at ways that, you know, this coaching staff can maybe potentially get out of their funk and at least score some points, again, not expecting them to drop. These fixes are going to suddenly lead to them scoring 40 points a game, but, you know, maybe one touchdown they could possibly get. I don't know. You tell me uh, if they make some of these changes. So go check that out at thefalcoholic.com. And uh, that's where we're going to do it, guys. I hope you have, again, safe travels, safe weekend, all that various thing, and, and enjoy yourselves as you hang out with your family, eat your turkey, uh, grab your built bars, all that various stuff, and check out the uh, Black Friday Q&A that we'll be having later this week. So appreciate it, guys. Till then.